Welcome to the Making Sense of Marketing podcast series, Insights into Success. Today we've got a special podcast. We're interviewing international photographer Robert Jackson Mee about him running in the Marathon de Saab. Now for you, those of you that are unaware of the marathon, it's a six-day, 251-kilometer or 156-mile event. It is approximately the equivalent of six marathons and is held in the Sahara Desert in the southern part of Morocco. I have to say, I feel totally exhausted just saying that, let alone contemplating actually completing it. So now, Robert, if you could tell me, what year and at roughly what age were you when you completed in that race? I was 58. It was 2018. Um, not the oldest out there, but certainly in the, uh, the elder group, shall right. we say. Right, <laughs> okay. And would it be fair to say that you really didn't have much of a running background? I'm not a runner. I've never run before this. This was my first um, long distance, if you like, experience. I'd never run anything like an ultra, ever. No way. So, obvious question then is, what on earth made you decide to do it? (laughs) Uh, I've always liked challenges. I just don't want to be that guy that sits on the sofa for the rest of his life watching the news, you know. And I did know about this event. I knew someone that had done it. And I asked him to coach me. He agreed. And that was once you start the process, really, it's, it's, it's all easy after that. So tell me about that process. Like, How long did you train for and um, what exactly did your training consist of? Okay, so I'm going to make a plug for my coach, Russell Malin. Um, he's old school. And for two years, six days a week, he trained me. We'd shout at each other, or he shouted at me sometimes, but he's the reason I was able to be at the start line of that event. Um, it was a huge, I had to lose 23 kilograms of fat. Wow. Yeah, and he took me through the whole process. I got injured in the training. He took me through that. Um, but in the end, it was Russell. Russell should be credited with getting me to the start line. And tell me a little bit about your routine, because from what I remember, you, you had to run <coughs> some serious hours um, each day. Yeah, so the routine itself is not too bad, but then comes Saturday, which is your big run. And I just go up to Morawai Beach through the sand dunes, and that would be my Saturday, really. Um, hours and hours and hours, often in the heat, often at night. It wouldn't make a lot of difference, but that was my training ground. That was a place I came to love and hate, and it was that that helped me finish that race. So I think from what uh, I remember, you actually were running in the middle of the night quite often. Yeah, yeah, I often did. I'd often say goodnight to my wife and go up there. But I just didn't want it to ruin my weekend. And right. so, you know, I just thought, well, I'll do it when people sleep. And that's, it worked really well for me doing that. Yep. I don't recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of got a lot of sleep during that time. No, really no. Uh, in the winter with the howling rain and gales, it can be depressing on yeah. the brain. You know? Yeah, yeah. Mm. And um, what sort of numbers of people compete in the race and like what typical age group are they and what sort of background? So you can put it into two categories really. You've got the, um, the serious runners, right. which I'm not, um, and they tend to be all around 30 years old. The younger ones don't do so well. You're really 30s starting point for that race for if you want to be serious. And then you've got the sort of um, category of 40 plus, um, 45 plus. That seems to be quite a big group. Yeah. And then you get a sort of few at my age, 58, attempt it. Yeah. And why did the younger ones not do so well? Uh, Good question. I, if you look at the sort of world record holders for like the 100 mile races and things like that, they yeah. tend to be older people. 
Um, there's a guy I think called Jeff Browning who's like I think he's 48 or something and he holds some records for the 100 miles right I think the psychology comes into it right you don't go too fast at the beginning you understand what's coming Um, definitely suits an older age mentally definitely and so how many people compete about a thousand give or take you know and they've had people die, and they have quite a few not finish, um, and they announce the numbers at the beginning of every day. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's quite interesting to see who is going to make it and who isn't. And I think um, I recall you mentioning that um, some people from Special Forces... Yeah, so on my race, well. I noticed the little wings from the uh, SAS. SAS, and they yeah, they were on my race, and... I did go and have a chat with them very briefly. Um, they yeah. meant a few words. <laughs> Interesting, you could recognise them. They would stay together as a group. Right. There was no individual superheroes. They stayed together as a group. So the whole race, they ran together yeah. as a group. Yeah. yeah. So tell me a little bit about the structure um, of the race and the sort of terrain that you had to run across. So what, so, what did each day look like? Yeah, so the race has got the reputation as the hardest foot race on earth. That's disputable, really. There are others. But there are three things that really get you. One is the backpack, right. about 8 to 10 kilos of food. You carry your own food and survival gear. That's, that's a, long, a long way to carry that yeah. amount of weight. The second thing is soft sand. I don't know if you've ever run up a sand dune midday, but the sand, it's Pretty killer. Nice. Yeah. And the third thing probably is the heat. Um, it does get hot. It gets seriously hot, and that can fatigue you. So those three things, all but in the pot, Add in the distance, add in the repetitive nature of it. It is quite tough, definitely. And sort of what sort of number of hours would you typically run in a day? So my longest day was 18 and a half. 18 and a half 18 hours. 18 and a half hours. Wow. Yeah, I didn't walk uh, other than the steep sections where you have no choice. Yeah. I'm a runner. Uh, I run slowly, but I do run. Yeah. Um, 18 hours, yeah. And the feet blisters up quite badly. It's quite painful. And um, that... That day, that 18 and a half hour day, where was that in the race? Which, which So the Marathon de Saab really is all about day four. Right. It's day four, which is a double marathon in one hit, having just run marathon. three marathons. So you do three marathons. Yeah. Day four is a double marathon in one hit. And I loved it. That, that for me, was my best day ever. Yeah. Okay, well, you need to explain me there because everyone will be thinking, that's insane. Why would you love that part? That sounds terrible. It wasn't because I was well-trained by a guy who'd done it. Right. And I knew day four was my day and I was well-prepared for it. I knew what was coming. I knew what I had to do. And I climbed 130 places in that, that one stage. I absolutely loved it. It was, it was so special. And was there a point um, during the race when you thought that um, you weren't going to make it? Um, and if there was, what ultimately got you through? Yeah, now that's. I was prepared for this. I was told it would happen. I yeah. thought it won't happen to me, but it did. I stripped the skin off my right foot quite badly, and the pain became too much. It just became too much. And I think after about, I've recorded the event, but about 12 or 14 hours in, in the middle of the night, I just curled up in the fetal position and started crying. And what day of the race was this? <laughs> this is day four. Day four. The day right, that the I enjoyed, day. yeah, the killer okay, day. Okay, yeah. so you're, you're yeah. curled up crying. Yeah, yeah. And then another oh, yeah. runner, I think he was French, came up and he just held me. He said, don't worry, I understand. He said, it'll pass. Just wait, it'll pass. And within five minutes, it did pass. Really? Yeah, it was magic words from a guy that had been there. 
It doesn't happen to everyone. I was too old, really, for what I was attempting. Right. But I had my point. I broke. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so after five or ten minutes or whatever, you sort of managed to regather yourself and you just pushed through the pain barrier. Well, there's a few other things. You gave me a muesli bar, which was a real big gift because you carry your own food. So for him to give me a muesli bar is quite a big deal. Wow. Uh, I loved that. It was just a little act of generosity. Yeah. I could see other people's lights behind me, people I was in front of. Yeah. And I felt, wow, I'm not doing too bad here. And those first few steps on a, a foot that's literally stripped of skin on the bottom is not good. But then once you get going again, it's all behind you. You just adjust it to it you and carry it on. Yep, yep, definitely. So out of the people that competed, what kind of percentage actually um, finished the race? I'm not sure on my race. Um, it varies year to year. We had a particularly hot race. A lot don't finish and a lot are attempting it second time. Right. It's something that's in you. Once you haven't finished, you have got to redo it, and they come back. And there is actually one guy who's run it 24 times. Wow. And is that um, consecutively or...? Consecutively. Wow. And I find that inspirational. You know, I, I met him. He's just a magnificent human being, you know. And there are people that can run it in a third at the time that I can, and yeah. they're very focused. Um, and there are other people who finish a long way after me, and... They're just inspirational. So the last person to cross the finish line every day, you all go out and greet them. Right. And I just find that inspirational. I love it. Absolutely love it. Wow. And um, what sort of rest did you get between days? I mean... Yeah, so you're sleeping in an open sort of V-shaped burka tent um, with the sand and the wind blow through it. It's pretty disgusting. Um, Obviously, the slower you are, the less rest you get. Uh, some people came in after 34 hours, I think it was, on day four. They're going to get very little rest, very wow. little, yeah. So it's a sort of ongoing, accumulating thing. The slower you are, the less rest you get. The because you're all going to start at the same exactly time. Exactly right, exactly right. right, yeah, yeah. Incredible. Yeah, I, I would actually recommend it to anyone who watches this. It's a life-changing experience. I'd recommend it to anyone. So how did you feel um, when you completed the race? So what yeah, sort of emotions did go through, run through I'm you? I'm going to shatter the myth here. I was so out of it, in so much pain, that when that medal went on my neck, there is a photograph showing it, I really didn't know what was going on. Right. I knew my family were watching me on a live feed. I completely forgot about that. I walked straight past the camera and ignored <laughs> them. It, it was, there was no elation, right. nothing. I was just absolutely wrecked, gone, finished, destroyed. Right. And how long did it take you to sort of recover after that? Yeah, I wound up in a hospital in Marrakesh and um, they got the IVs into me and soon put me back on track. Um, probably back to normal two months. Right. Yep. yep. And in the sort of days after completing, what sort of emotions went through you? Did you kind of at any point through that go, you know, sit up and, and feel real, you know, sort of pride and enjoyment of having completed it or how did it all work with your emotions so it's a personal journey and mm. um, the biggest shock i got was i thought everyone would want to know about it when i got home no one did no one did <laughs> people are genuinely can't relate to things they're probably not that interested in it right and if you can't relate to it so i fell back very heavily on my tent buddies and they were really good we kept a few emails going because they could relate mm. um the bottom line is i want to go back so you want to do it again? I want to do it again. 
Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and why? What's why do you want to do it again? What's the motivation? Because it was the best week of my life. Right. The, uh, the, the toughest, world, probably. Yeah. 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 The yeah, same yeah, time. yeah. I mean, I I lie in bed most nights thinking about it, even today. Yeah. Incredible. Mm. Highly recommend it to anyone to attempt. Anyone. I've never run before. I'm not a runner. Mm. I was overweight and old. Mm. I crossed the finish line, so could you. Mm. Amazing. Mm. Interesting thing you've just said, though, is about um, coming back home and feeling like um, people didn't get it and weren't really interested. And I think from what I've read, you know, about soldiers coming back from war, it's, it doesn't sound too dissimilar from that. You know, they come home and, you know, they've had some incredible experiences, incredibly challenging experiences. They come home and people just, life carries on and they don't yeah. really understand what they've been through. And yeah. I would imagine a real sense of deflation when you come back. Absolutely and, and right. Difficulty in communicating with other people because they just can't get it. So these days I, no, I don't talk about it. Um, I've learned that they look at this old fat guy and they think, nah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's amazing myself. I think it's hugely inspirational. I'm just I'm blown away by it. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a very personal experience and my wife understands it. Yeah. And here's an interesting thing. Every now and then you come across one person who gets it. Alice and I joke about it. Mm. They get it. Mm. And you can't pick them. They could mm. be any age, any background, right. anything. They get it. And they start asking all these questions. Most people don't. But every now and then, right. someone, and we joke, they get it. Right. And I love that. That's really special. Mm. So tell me, um, do you think there's any lessons in your experience that can be applied to business? And if, if there is, what would they be? So my experience of business, I've run my own business my whole life, mm. is that a lot of people give up. Yeah. Give up. It's just so easy to give up. On my training, I would give up quite regularly. I could write a book of excuses I had in my head for not training. Mm. Could be the weather. Mm. Could be I had a big night out the night before. I could write a book on it. I had yeah. thousands of excuses. But at the end of the day, giving up is a horrible feeling. You feel bad. You just, it's just not good. Get out there. Keep going. You feel better. You will crack it. 100% you will crack it. doesn't matter what it is in life. Keep going. Don't give up. Yeah. And I guess, would it be fair to say, though, it's got to be something that really means something to you? You know, something really means something to you that you're more inclined to not give up. But if it's something that's not really, don't feel is really that big a deal for you or doesn't resonate with you that much that you'd be more inclined to give up? No, I don't agree with that. So no, my, no, what's my, your thoughts? Yeah, my book of excuses, yeah. I could write a whole page on... Is that just one of those excuses? Yeah, that's, one, of the, that's right, one page okay. of excuses. This yeah. doesn't mean that much to me. Right. It's a waste of time. I'm not that good at it. Right. I'm not going anywhere. I don't really care if I do it or not. Yeah. That would be a whole page of excuses. Yeah. I went through all of that. Yeah. And that would apply to business too, wouldn't 100%. it? You know, you go, oh, well, I wasn't really into that business anyway. It's not really my thing, so it's okay to give up. Hundred percent. It's so applicable to real life. Hundred yeah. percent, it is. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Mm. All right. Well, thank you so much. I find um, the stories amazing and inspirational, and I do feel very much that lessons can be learnt through those experiences that can very much be applied to business too. And I think, you know, one of the key messages um, from this is this determination to keep going, not to give up, that you are going to come across some very challenging moments, but you've got to be mentally strong and keep mm. pushing through, pushing mm. through. Um, 
So here's a message that a lot of the people that cross that finish line were the most ordinary people on the planet. Well, there you go. Yeah, really. I mean, I'm bulk standard ordinary. There's nothing special about me yeah. at all. Um, but it doesn't have to be a superhero or super strong person. Yeah. You know, ordinary people do that race and cross that finish line. And I think, you know, you touched on that earlier too, is that, you know, there'll be other people that physically uh, may appear more capable um, have the track record um, in terms of running in that, um, but that's no guarantee for success. No way. In fact, no in way. some ways, it could actually be their demise. Absolutely possibly. right. Yeah, be a realist with a race like that. And I think in life and in business, it's the same. Be a realist. Don't set your goals too high. Yeah. Be real and don't give up. All right, well, thank you so much, uh, Robert, for your time. I think um, your story is incredibly inspirational, and I think we can all take a lot out of that. Uh, and use that for motivation in, in our business careers and potentially um, other elements of our personal life. So thank you for that. Um, and that's it today for another in the series of uh, Making Sense of Marketing, Insights into Success.